Hello, welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and it's the return of Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm back, baby. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing fine. Coach Gerard. Thorpe is back. Um, glad you're back. Glad you're doing well. So for those of you that don't know, uh, David's son, Max, graduated from Florida State uh, last week or the week before. Um, and he and his wife, Chrissy, were out in Tallahassee and celebrating and doing all the things that you do. And then David, because this is busy time of the year for David, he has to train NBA players and other professionals. He went to L.A. And David, Max joined you for these training sessions with some pro players. And I know by the smile on your face that warmed your heart and gave you all the feels. Tell us about training pro players with Max. Yeah, it was all NBA guys. And I helped that one uh, very talented college player as well that, that's from Florida, actually, um, that has a chance to make the NBA. Um, you know, it's funny. This parenting journey is, and I won't go into much, but, um, you know, you, you think you know your kid because, I mean, I, I watched him. I used to talk to him when he was inside his mom. I watched <laughs> him come out of his mom. I was holding her left ankle, as I've told you before. Um and I, you know, I was his first coach and, and, and everything else. And, um, it's just so amazing to see, I mean, he's, he, you know, the one thing about my son is when you're my son, NBA players aren't something different for you. Like he, right. he was rebounding for cats when he was 10 years old, you know, he was getting messages from them and whatever. Um, and, and then when he was good enough, starting at 16, he was working out with them. And by 17, 18, he was winning shooting contests sometimes because he can really shoot. And, um, but he wasn't much of a talker around them as he shouldn't be. We were running a workout and he was listening, but I definitely have seen a, a total transformation. And it's so wonderful to see the Florida state, uh, no college programs close to being perfect, but they have helped him develop as a man for sure. And to hear him have a voice, uh, mostly he listened. I was, it's, you know, I do a solo act normally when I'm coaching, <laughs> uh, unless I have an assistant that's you know been around. None of these guys had met Max before. He he, but he got to know them on a personal level. And some of my favorite memories of the week are when I would bring him to almost every meal I had with the players, which was one or two a day every day typically. And invariably, I'm going to get a phone call and excuse myself to go take the phone call. But I'm as I'm outside, and you know, remember this isn't Florida; it's California. Right. You could be outside and not sweat. So I could be outside <laughs> having conversations with people and not get uncomfortable. But I would look back inside and, and just see him animatedly talking to these NBA players. That's not something that would happen before. And uh, he's got a future in basketball. What he does, we'll see. He's got to still finish playing. He's still playing at Florida State, getting his master's. But um, yeah, it was, it was great to see. And <laughs> he's of the age that most of my players are, you know, give or take three, four years at most. A couple of them are a couple of years younger. A couple of them are a couple of years older. Um, and and then also, you know, he went with me to some of the Rico runs at UCLA, mm -hmm. which is really a lovely place to play basketball at UCLA. Oh, we, I mean, it's, who, we didn't, who wouldn't we, like to play pickup right, at UCLA? Right. We didn't go to the Poly Pavilion, but um, we walked campus every day. You know, you have to park off campus and walk on. And and so he was able to see a lot of these guys up close and personal. Um, I was to say this. I have a favorite memory of the whole thing, and that was – Scotty Barnes walks in and I met him once in Vegas this summer. He probably wouldn't Max's remember Max's former me. teammate. Right. And uh, I'm going to talk about Scotty in a minute here. I didn't warn you about this, but I'm going to. But before I get into the more concerning part, um, he saw Max and was just, you could just see and register in his face like, 
what in the world is Max Thorpe doing in UCLA gym for you know for pickup games? And and so Scotty, who's you know, my son's 6'3 in shoes, Scotty's six seven or so in shoes. So he bends over to hug Max and he rests his head on Max's shoulder and smiles. <laughs> I'm looking at his face, Max is back to me, and squeezes Max. And it, it was a reminder of who Scotty used to be. Mm-hmm. And so this very loving, charismatic person, uh, Gerard, there was a period of time in Scotty Barnes's life from what I'm told, and then what I've witnessed a little bit as a pro, where he was the loudest guy in every gym, whether he played or not. And that is not the guy that I saw for three days in a row in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I, went, I went Monday, yeah, I went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to games. Not a word. He, he, at some points, he was unbelievable. And many times he was taking plays off because it's pickup basketball. Who cares? But when he wanted to dominate, holy cow, did he dominate, uh, as did some of the other veteran players. But no talking. It, there's a, there's a, a passion and a zeal of, that he used to live his life with that I don't see. Now, it's pickup games in August. But I, I've, I've noticed this during the season last year. Mm-hmm. And now let's see going forward with a new coach who was there, but he wasn't yeah. coaching anyone. That, the Scotty Barnes that hugged my son with his whole body, that's the Scotty Barnes that I fell in love with as a player when I thought he was the second best player in the draft. And we need to see that guy this year. We'll see what happens. But that's the, on, on Toronto and on Scotty to find that love and passion again. And I'll finish with this, Gerard. I, I was told by a, an NBA player's mom, who I saw in California, to watch the show Quarterback on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know who any of these people are. I've heard of their <laughs> names. Right, I wouldn't right. recognize them in a lineup. Right. I wouldn't recognize them in my house except for Mahomes. Although I would tell you, I don't know. He didn't look quite as I pictured him. I've watched him play, though. He's a magical player. But I was told to watch it. Yeah, unbelievable player. Magical. Really a magical talent. And a magical personality. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I'm not friends with Scotty. I don't help Scotty. But if I was, I would tell him, as I did some of my point guards in the NBA, watch that show. You can ignore the religious freak, Kirk Cousins, who seems like an <laughs> unbelievably tough guy, super tough guy. Uh, Marcus Mariota doesn't look like a very talented player to me. I don't know anything about these games. So it's great watching because I have no idea what's going to happen in the games because I, no, I don't know anything. Um, but Mahomes is, me- is mesmerizing. His energy, he has the best shit-talking game of any fo- football player I've ever seen. <laughs> he has one great play. This is maybe in episode one where he makes this unbelievable play. Like, he doesn't know how he did it, but he knows he did something remarkable. And as he's going to, you know, uh, jump on his teammate who scored, he says to the other team's defense, like, I'm like that. I'm like that. <laughs> Fucking love that. Like, because they, they've never seen anything like this before either. Yeah. So that is who Scotty used to be. Just this overwhelmingly charismatic personality that brought his team up. And we, do, we need to see that again. I think we need to see it more from him. Well, it's, I didn't know you were going there, but this is what makes for great, great podcasts. Um, David, as someone, I know you, you don't help Scotty, but if you yeah. were to, I imagine the NBA can beat that out of you sometimes, right? That charisma and that, that joy and zeal for the game, the rigors of the game, the the harshness and, and realities of being a professional can beat some of that out of you. So how would you, if you were, besides telling him to watch uh, quarterback, would you help Scotty find some of that joy again? Well, you, I, you literally just quoted me perfectly, Gerard, because that's what I said uh, to friends sitting by me. Uh, the NBA's beat that part of him out. And uh, too bad. Um, uh, it's everything you said. It's the rigors of the game, the grind of the game, the slog of the game. 
but it's also the the tumult in Toronto has been a mess for a couple of years. It's I had one agent say to me, not his agent, rookie of the year might have been bad for him. I don't agree, but I understand what he's what this guy was saying. This very good agent was saying that it came with so much more expectations and responsibilities. And and Toronto was kind of a trash fire last year, even though they finished the season better than people realize with a starting five anyway. Their coach got fired. The guy won a championship in 2019. He's gone. Yep. That tells you how bad the season was. Masai was nowhere to be, to be seen in LA for whatever reason. Um, it's a mess. We'll see how yeah. things go this year. They have a lot of talent still. But uh, I, I would say to him, uh, be yourself. You're, if this is who you are now, okay, I, I honor that. But I suspect that you are acting the way you think you're supposed to act. And remember... I know you know this story, Gerard. We probably have talked about it once before in the 300 podcasts we've done now, whatever it is. Um, I watched in 1979 the live Kareem Skyhook Mm -hmm. to win the game. I think that's the San Diego Clippers on a tape delay Friday night. And Magic Johnson jumped all over him as a rookie. Right. And Kareem said, hey, Buck, we got 81 more. You can't do that. And Magic said, hey, big fella. You keep making game-winning jumper uh, hook shots from 15 feet. I'm doing it right. Exactly. So Magic didn't tone it down. He had, um, I mean, he may have changed. We all grow up a little bit. We're not puppy dogs forever. But that love of the game and love of humanity was so evident in the way Magic played. And I think it's a big part of his success. I really do. Magic has this, you feel Magic when you were his teammate. Mm -hmm. You could see it on the Mm -hmm. court. He made you play better just by the way he played in his personality. I think Scotty has similar gifts. And so I would tell him it's okay to be that person. It's okay. Patrick Mahomes would not be Patrick Mahomes. He'd be more like Kirk Cousins if he kept it to himself more. Doesn't mean he wouldn't be great, but he wouldn't be as great in my opinion. So I would just tell him it's okay to to be that kind of personality. Yeah, for sure. No, well, I'm glad you got to have in LA and spend time with Max doing what you love and doing it with your son. Uh, Max, whenever you listen to this podcast, make sure you get a job running an NBA team. Of course, hire your dad, then hire me so we can really, you know, make these NBA teams do what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that would be a very sweet thing, but I am worried that at 58 years of age, I'm not going to be alive. When yeah, you're, you're, you're like, I don't, you don't know where you're going to be at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for him every step of the way. I'm doing my best, doing my best to be there, but I don't, I can't guarantee that. Oh man! Well, we're, we're hoping Coach Thorbill will still be will still be here, and you'll still know a lot about basketball at that stage. So you'll you'll definitely be valuable. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. As you know, um, we do a segment called Ask Coach Thorpe. You can get into Coach Thorpe's big basketball brain uh, and get the advantages that we all get getting to talk to him and ask him basketball questions. If you want to do that, send a question to TrueHoop at TrueHoop.com. That is TrueHoop at TrueHoop.com, and we will read your questions on air and have coach Thorpe answer them. So to welcome him back, we've got a few questions from some of our listeners. So this is from a listener named David. Uh, what are the top three things that teams like the Miami heat do to develop talent that everyone misses out on culture is a big part of it, but what specifically are they, are they doing and what are the lessons for the rest of us who run school districts or startups? So I kind of know where this person's going, right? Miami seems to have some kind of secret sauce, well, what is that secret sauce they have when it comes to identifying and developing talent? And how can someone in their workplace do the same? Well, you can't necessarily 
you know, unless you're running an NBA team, you can't just do what they do. You're not doing conditioning tests <laughs> if you're running a school district, right? You can't. You, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to. Um, I have a player that's placed for the Heat, and their conditioning test is real. It's no joke. Yeah. The way you you know you can't go through till you do that. It's hard. Um, they are they're crazy. They have a fetish about being in great shape. Uh, I always have since Pat Riley was there. So um, that is important, Gerard, because. Absent being in great shape, that you're you're limited. Your ceiling is lowered for what you can do on the court for different reasons, obviously. So um, I think their secret sauce is named Eric Spolstra. Mm-hmm. I think that he and and let's credit his staff, including you know management and Pat Riley. Um, they do a great job of really helping you know what your role is, and then let you live and breathe in that role. Really expand it. Don't be afraid to to try it. Uh, Duncan Robinson and Max Struess are two examples of guys that might be more reticent to shoot more threes somewhere else and aren't at all shy. Like, you know, they've got some good players on their team. There are plenty of players in the NBA that pass up open threes early in the offense because big fella wants a touch or the point guard wants the ball. But they they take them. You know, they let it go. That's That's good management. That's good coaching. This is what we expect you to do. Uh, I know that before Spolstra flew uh, east for the World Cup, mm-hmm. he was on the phone with at least one player of his uh, that was not with the team before, walking him through like what we think you can do and how excited I am. Like That just doesn't always happen where head coaches do that. So mm-hmm. if you're running a school district, know your personnel. Not so easy if you're managing hundreds or thousands of people, but you can try. Whatever you can do to get them to feel you. I think Miami's done a great job. Spoh's done a great job. You and I have talked before about Pat Riley and Pat Raleigh empowering Spolstra mm-hmm. when he had Dwayne and LeBron and Bosch by telling LeBron and Bosch, don't come to my office and tell me to fire my coach. Not happening. Right? right. That's Spolstra has to be encouraged by that way back when he people thought were, he, they were going to fire him all the time. Right. So um I think they I think. They have, when you talk about culture, uh, that's not talent recognition. That is talent development. And so I don't think they're so great at recognizing talent. I really don't. Um, I could be wrong. We'll see. But um, I think they've done a great job of, of creating conditions where all these great players have a better chance to get to, you know, Gabe Vincent, Struis, mm-hmm. Duncan, mm-hmm. to name just three. Uh, even Bam. And Bam hasn't added yeah. a three-point shot to his game. He's the best player he can be absent that, that we, I think he should add that. He hasn't yet, but he certainly has shined in the role they've created for him. And, and Spo is pretty innovative. You know, the fact that he'll play more zone than any other team, it, it means something, right? He's, you're, you're, he's, we're not going to, you're not going to miss playing time because you struggle to guard, uh, because you're good on offense. We'll want to play you. We're going to change our defense so that we can accommodate your inability and your abilities. So that's something to be admired and, and probably emulated yeah. by NBA teams. No, w- without question. And again, it's so much of it is about knowing your personnel, giving them roles, but also allowing them the freedom to excel in their role, but also make mistakes and learn within that role, right? I mean, that's that's so important in how people can develop. And that's something you can take, again, as David said, whether you're coaching an NBA team, yeah. running a school district, you're running a startup, whatever it may be, right? Like, And that's a part of management and coaching, right? And that's part of... David's definition of leadership, right? Breathing spirit uh, into others, right? And so right. the Spolster and the Heat do a very good job of that. 
Um, we have a question from Marco in Australia. Uh, as he's to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, which he was this past weekend, what is your what are your greatest memories of Dwayne Wade? Perhaps a story untold. In your book of basketball, basketball is jazz. You documented a bit about your time watching the 2006 Finals and the dominance on display, as well as a car ride with a young Wade. So I have a few. One of them is uh, him's rookie season. I was uh, that was 2003. My kids were two years old, and so I would um, kind of be on daddy duty at night so mom could get a rest. And I would watch all of Dwayne's games because of Udonis. Mm-hmm. And um, I would get up. I had a scan design recliner that I used to sit in. I used to get up, God, once a game, like, oh, my God. He was just <laughs> so fast. And I, I'm in Florida. You know, speed is not a surprising yeah, right. thing. To, right. I'm not in Iowa. <laughs> I'm in Florida. And um, but his and, and normally those plays would be like, uh, and, you know, my mind a little bit. I can see things pretty quickly. Um There'd be a ball going out of bounds, and I just knew he couldn't get to it. He'd get to it. There'd be a loose ball, and he was much farther away from the other guy. He'd get to it. Like, oh, my God, is this guy fast and relentless, totally relentless. Um, One of my favorite stories was when he scored, I want to say it was 36 in overtime against the Mavericks in game five of the NBA Finals Mm -hmm. when it was 2-2, when the Mavericks started picking him up full court, double-teaming him early. Like, whatever they could do, they couldn't solve him. He did go to the free throw line a lot, much to Mark Cuban's chagrin, but – (laughs) <laughs> I thought he earned this pals. You know, I was sitting in the stands. Who knows? But I, I called one of my, my NBA guys back then, uh, Kevin Martin, who was kind of mm-hmm. surging as a player, and told him, I've told this story before probably, did you see how hard Dwayne Wade had to work to get those points? Like, that's every night. And so as you, I told Kevin, as you start scoring more and more, and every team starts focusing on you, and they had no one else in Sacramento, um, you've got to be tough enough to bring it every night. That's how Dwayne is. He's just relentless with it. Uh, the the limousine story was simply, you know, he did no ride home from the All-Star game, the rookie All-Star game, yeah. his rookie year. Yeah, and uh, he's just such a sweet – and, and I, I, I just know how to talk to players, and we have mutual friends, right? So I just was talking about our mutual friends from his college days at Marquette, and he was just such a sweet, humble guy. And um, when we're out of it, my wife's like, who was that kid? And I said, we just watched him play, right? <laughs> But that same guy, Gerard, is the reason why LeBron went to Miami, because mm-hmm. he played for Team USA mm-hmm. uh, the summer before they joined together, yeah. and he came off the bench, and he was one of the best two or three players on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I told this is the, this is what I told Henry Abbott in January of that year. Um, uh, I think LeBron's going to go to Miami and play with Wade, which sounds stupid, but I told him <laughs> I think it's going to happen because I just watched LeBron's Cleveland team play and. He's got no one like that on his team. Not even close. And Dwayne Wade is the one guy that he can team up with that will recognize, okay, LeBron's better than me, um, but I can still do my thing, and he won't, he, he'll handle it well. I did not predict Chris Bosh. No clue that was right. happening. Right. But, uh, but that's, that's my memory always of Wade is uh, so unselfish and so humble at the same time being one of the – this question, this guy, he he has him number two, yeah, uh, in the league, but number three all time as shooting guard. Right. So he right. said he's so Marcos thinks that uh, Wade's peak as a two guard is second yeah. only to MJ's to peak Jordan. as a as yeah. a two guard. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yo, you you got a good argument to make there. And then he's like, has him third overall behind Kobe. Uh, Kobe's and, long and career, NBA. right? Mm-hmm. I, I would agree mm-hmm. with him. He he was the best shooting guard after Jordan Iverson, including Kobe. He was the best Iverson. What about? And we'll get to this player in a bit. Harden's peak. 
as a two guard? He's not a two guard, but it's a great question. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's not really a two guard. He's a point. No, guard. he's a primary yeah, ball yeah. handler, more so than Dwayne. He yeah, left the league in sure. assists. Also true. <laughs> also right. true. So also it's true. a, but still, your question is great. I, I, I I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of James Harden. I know we'll get we to love, the more James's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, the, the numbers are the numbers. Like the guy's right. putting up. I, you know better than me if uh, what his EPM was like in those years, but um, oh, whatever they look ridiculous off ridiculous. the charts. Yeah, yeah. He just did it differently. Brilliant, brilliant genius of a player. Um, but yeah, he was really their point guard. Um, and, uh, but so who, I mean, Steph Curry, you know, is a point guard, even though he played with point No, it's, that's it. It's those three. It's Jordan, uh, Wade Wade and and Kobe. That's it. And most people will say Jordan, Kobe, Wade in terms of their overall, but that Wade peak, I think was, whew, that Wade peak was something. If you, if you claim to be an NBA fan and you type in Dwayne Wade highlights on YouTube and you're not (laughs) thoroughly mesmerized, you're not an NBA fan. You might yeah, root for your correct. team, but right. but but because his performances are just incredible, really incredible. I remember, that, I remember that Nike commercial. Was it Nike? One of those commercials was like he kept falling down, but like, no, oh, don't worry, he'll get back up. And it's like, and everybody be like, see, yes. he gets back up. The commercial says it. <laughs> yes, and you know, and Henry Abbott used to tell me that's right. Not good uh, for well, your he body. won't get up for long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not good for your body to keep falling like that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. No, and it and you saw that later in his career, right? It it it, it took a toll, right? That's yeah. that's just. That's the nature of the game. Same as same All as right. Larry Bird. Yeah. Speaking of guards, <laughs> uh, this is from listener Steve. Assuming that the Sixers trade Harden without returning a point guard in the deal, how likely is it that Nick Nurse tries to move Embiid into more of a point center role with like the way they do with Jokic in Denver as the model, instead of relying on Maxi to transform into a true point guard? Now, well, answer that question because <laughs> in a hypothetical world, because James Harden right now isn't getting traded. But if a point guard didn't come back in a hypothetical trade, could you see Embiid in that point center role a la Jokic? For sure. Yeah. He's not the, anywhere near the passer Jokic is. Not close. So it's not, not close. It's not the best use for him. Um, but but I reject the the, the um, premise because uh, uh, I don't believe in the true point guard role as being mandatory mm. to win a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Steph Curry, we Correct. talked about him. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, hard didn't win a championship, but he certainly mm-hmm. won a ton of games. The list is endless. Um, Derek Rose was a hell of a player. And would you call him a, a true point guard? No. Who wants those guys? The true point right. guards were pass first, pass second, pass third. Pass third. Options. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't you want weaponize all five guys? Maxi can handle whatever you want. He's going to be amazing. Jokic will have to do more playmaking. Uh, he just isn't gifted the way Jokic is. He's gifted in his own way, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that Nick Nurse will want to do any of that. It's right, really a right. big mystery. This is there's a, a Philadelphia's been punched in the eye twice now. You had the Ben Simmons yeah, yeah. issue, now you have the James Harden issue. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Embiid might just be sick of it and want out. Like it's, I saw Daryl. Uh, I talked to him some in in L.A. Uh, he was the only executive there, at least high level executive. I didn't see any of the GMs. Only a couple teams were there anyway. But um, no, he's got his hands full for sure because uh, no one wants to be called a liar by an iconic you oh, know, superstar like yeah. Harden. Um, oh, and, we're, and we're Nick Nurse, that. yeah, Nick Nurse, you know, he, he likes to run a very democratic offense, which is why I thought it was kind of surprising that he's hired. He could always change, but they really move the ball side to side a ton and then look for the best matchup and attacked. That's not the way Philly plays. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's the question about true point guard. And it's interesting, right? Because I you would probably say the last mold of a quote unquote true point guard is Chris Paul, right? We call him the point guard. But Paul was far more weaponized than any of those true point guards prior to, right? Certainly way more than Stockton and and, and those kinds of players. Um, and to your point, you know, you don't necessarily think you need a quote unquote true point guard, right? If your primary ball handler is a good decision maker, that's really all that matters, right? Like it doesn't matter if because sometimes him scoring is the best option, right? Like based on however Oftentimes. the game is, yeah, yeah, however the game Oftentimes. is being presented to him uh, right. in, in that manner. So that's why you have these scoring guards like a Derrick Rose before, right? And even on those that Miami Heat team that won with where Wade was the main guy, it was Wade and Shaq, right? I know that you had like a nominal point guard, but Wade was the primary ball handler in a lot of those, I mean, those scenarios. For sure, for sure. Mario Chalmers was no real right. quarterback. Right. Uh, uh, I know you watch Team USA. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brunson scores. Yes, he That's does. What he does. He scores. Mm-hmm. Halliburton can score. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. taking a different role for Team USA than he will with Indiana. I promise you. He'll get twelve assists, but he'll also score 22, 23 Oh, he's got to score for Indiana. No. Yeah, yeah. It's a different. It's a different situation and a longer game too. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, I, I Philly. I really I couldn't begin to guess. Uh, MB at any moment could say I'm out of here. Um, he, at any moment he could also say I'm I'm here for the long term. Let's figure some stuff yeah. out. I, I I don't see how they don't trade Harden. Look, I, I you know. Let's talk about Embiid briefly. He won MVP yeah. last year, as we know. Um, we both would have given it to Jokic because his numbers were better. But in many ways, Jokic kind of just gave him the award, right? Jokic said, yep. well, I don't want it. Like, so he just he withdrew himself from consideration. Exactly right. You're exactly um, right. Listen, Embiid is not blameless in the Sixers uh, flaming out of the playoffs last year. Like, he wasn't great. Like, he wasn't nope. MVP level player. In the playoffs, and I know Harden gets a lot of crap for underperforming in the playoffs. A lot of it justly deserved. Harden was pretty good last year in the postseason, right? Like, he had some pretty elite games for, for Philadelphia. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, if they had a better James Harden, they would have won. They would have advanced further in the playoffs. If they had a better Embiid, they probably advanced, right? Had game six at home to win. Couldn't close the door then. You know, uh, there's a lot, a lot of stuff to go around there. You can say it's some Doc Rivers issues, but he's gone now. So... We'll see what happens when Nick Nurse gets in, who, by the way, as you talked about, he's got some reputation management stuff. He's got to clean up on his own. So they got that to deal with. They have the James Harden calling Daryl Morey a liar situation to deal with. Um, And let's get into that now. So Harden's in China uh, as part of his uh, Adidas uh, duties. Many of you guys know that when you are a signature athlete for a signature shoe for a lot of these companies, China's a big market for sales, and you go there and you run camps and clinics and a whole bunch of stuff. All the, you know, every great player who's got a single shoot has done it multiple times. Um, and Harden said, um, Daryl Morey's a liar, and I will never play for an organization that he's involved with again. Let me repeat myself. Yeah, Daryl exactly. Morey's a liar. And I was like, Jesus. And the fact that he repeated it and said it again at a at a camp. For kids who just want to like who put their favorite player, I was like, this must be bad news. And what he, that's he was in China. Of- he was in yeah. China. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. know how they feel about Daryl Morey. Well, correct, correct. He he knew what he was doing. Oh, one hundred percent, he knew what he was doing. And I asked, I thought because listen, prior to all this, Daryl Morey and James Harden are thick as thieves. I mean, Daryl was going on. Uh, every broadcast they could find talking about how James Harden's the greatest offensive guard to ever play the game of basketball. Like we championing for his MVPs. Oh, we know this. I mean, let's be honest. 
a lot of Daryl's success was based on the success of James Harden, right? That's how he was able to win all those games and do all these things. And so we all thought when he found his way to uh, Philly after forcing his way out of Brooklyn, that when he took that deal and took less money, we were like, ah, well, there's got to be some wink, wink. Don't worry, buddy. I'll take care of you on on, on the comeback. Well, it's the comeback. And clearly, Maury is not taking care of him the way he thought. So Harden right. had to opt into his deal to get the guaranteed money that's on the table because the free agent market is what it is. No one's got any money left to pay you the money you want right now. If you want to go to the Clippers, you'd have to take a, a very a much lower deal. Who's going to take whatever's left on his contract right now? And this is just a messy situation, which, as Daryl said before, and we know, he doesn't mind the uncomfortability and things being awkward. That's cool with him. But this has always been my critique of Daryl David. He's super brilliant, understands the numbers, and all well and good. This is still a people business. And there has to be a way you can use all your smarts and intelligence, but relate to people in a way that makes them comfortable. And for whatever reason, that has gone by the wayside with with him and James. Yeah, it could very well be just a pragmatic decision of um, he just isn't worth the money that I thought he might be worth when he first did the deal. Uh, if indeed it's true that he passed up an extension with Brooklyn on on this word, mm-hmm. it's it's reprehensible. You know, mm-hmm. it's re it's, it's it's generational money that that the, he already the, has. The, the Brooklyn Max was on the table. All, all you do was yeah. sign it. They it was in there. If if he had agents, which he didn't, then he does now. Great agents. If he did have agents, um, I would think they would have implored him never oh, trust. Yeah. Never. Yeah. That's why you have agents. Why you have attorneys. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but Daryl might just realize, you know what? I'll, I'll take the hit, and James will hate me forever. But I'm not going to put us in jail, uh, financial jail. And yeah. um, he's the best, in my opinion, talent evaluator. Whether it's his algorithms or whatever, um, uh, Paul Reed. He got again. Paul Reed's such a talented player. Mm-hmm. Um, he, of course, he's the one who got Terquavion Smith, undrafted mm-hmm. player from NC State, who I love. Um, he looked fantastic in those pickup games. Really great. Um, he just knows what he's doing with that. And this is, in my opinion, Daryl saw it as collateral damage mm, that I'm making the decision for the Sixers and I'm going to lose James Harden forever. And I'm going to take a reputational hit, but, uh, and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm just observing. Right. That's my, observing. That's my analysis mm-hmm. that, that he, um, he's like, you know, I'll just take the hit and, uh, but it's the best thing for the Sixers. That's my guess. No, I, I think you're definitely you're definitely right. That is that is Daryl's approach, right? Daryl is the king of pragmatism, and you know he often as he does he tries to take emotion out of it as much as possible, particularly when doing these kinds of deals um, or non deals. In this case, I will say right. this, David. Um, <laughs> James Harden was very good last year. Um, Amazing, ninety six percentile in estimated plus minus, yeah, ninety seven percentile in um, earned wins. Based yep. on our formula that we like to use for bonus wins, um, if you pay him based on what he did last year, 11.6 uh, in wins last year, using 3.75, which is what a win cost, that's a $43 yeah. million dollar player. Now, maybe Daryl thinks they're probably going to drop to like seven next year. I don't know. what. Even if he drops, let's say he drops to nine wins uh, yeah. in estimated wins okay. next year, David. That's still a $33.7 million dollar player. That's not a cheap player. It's still money. So, and I don't think he's going to drop that poorly next year. Um, but well, I don't know. I, I gotta... I, you do look, did you watch that video? I mean, he didn't. Okay, I'm calling him a liar. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't look uh, spelt. Let's put it. You noticed too. He, 
he, he's not looking out. Luka Doncic is looking uh, sl- slim down for a uh, FIBA World Cup. He's not, he's not we, know, like that. we we know he knows how to get in shape. Yes. We know we know, but but that he's not there now. No, no. <laughs> I know he, he is not there now. No, no, no. Well, it again, it's going to be awkward as hell in Philly, and all that with a new coach on top of it. Which is, I remember I said when we talked about teams I'm worried about. Go, see. Philly, I said it. I was like, I just don't like the juju around there. And look, it, it may not matter. They may come out the gate barnstorming. What the hell do I know? But I don't know, man. It just seems like a weird situation. It's a, it's a team to keep an eye on for sure. All right. We are going to be back after a quick break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys. Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run? take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend. Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, David, uh, FIBA World Cup. We'll talk about Team USA in a minute. Um, they were in Spain. Um, they played Spain, who was the number one ranked team in the world. Team USA is number two. Um, and for for won- weird reasons. Well, because yeah, it's, it's a rolling, it's a rolling uh, count that they keep, right? So the America, uh, Team USA did not win... The America's Championship last year. To be fair, it was like our Q team. You didn't know no big right. time NBA dudes were on it. Whatever. Meanwhile, Spain won Eurobasket. Like so, it's just you know the, the way it rolls. Whatever. They're one and we're two. But Team USA did win the gold at the last Olympics, uh, beating Spain in the quarterfinals. So whatever. Take with that as you will. But that's where we are right now. Anyway, the U- Team USA had a ten point lead at half. Um, Spain came storming back uh, in the third quarter playing some good ball. But I texted you because I was like, forget Team USA. I said, David, Santi Aldama, I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me why, Gerard. Tell he, me why. he looked assertive and looked like he can do things with the ball, decision-making, things I don't see him do in Memphis for obvious because he doesn't play this. He doesn't play the same way, right? He doesn't get the opportunities because of where he is on the death chart. But... If he can do a semblance of these things for Memphis next year, that's a good thing, right? That's why I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Gerard, I, I'm not going to argue with you. It, it, uh, first of all, Team USA, it's a nice win in Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Crazy sure. atmosphere. Crazy mm-hmm. atmosphere. Uh, we have a young team. Very young yes, team. Yes, very young. And we struggle with ball handling. We have two. Really, just yeah. Brunson and Halliburton and, Br- and Brunson. Yeah, that's really that's it. it. And we're, yeah. we're, we, we have turnover problems. I, I don't love this team. I like I like their youth for the Olympics for next year. Get them a bunch of experience, but I was having a lunch at a great little you know LA's got all the spots. Yep. Great little Korean barbecue spot. We sat kind of indoor oh, nice. outdoor, 
Yeah, and um, nothing fancy. Right by UCLA with an a, two agents, an NBA player, and then a high level college player. Um, and I said to them, "All right, let's." You know, we we're talking about Team USA. They had just played a, their first game a couple of nights earlier. I said, um, "Let's go around the room. Let's all pick one player. I think we had nine people at our table in total. Uh, I know, no, we had we had five, but let's pick two guys each. What does what does Team USA look like?" if we could pick anyone that's currently playing mm-hmm. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So let's not do nine, but let's real quickly, who, who would be there right now if we could bring anyone over? Okay. Can we say let's, the old guys, like no, that's enough. No, okay. no, we can't. We, we, they're included. Okay. So, so if, you, well, if, you don't, if you don't say Kevin Durant, I'm going to tell him you well, didn't say uh, <laughs> Of course, I was just saying he doesn't need to play basketball because he's too old. Not too old. Agreed. But he plays too Agreed. But, but KD, Steph, for sure. Right. Easy. Probably LeBron still. Yeah, sure, LeBron. Yeah, Pro- probably AD. Yep, yep. Uh, He's unbelievable. Oh my God. Uh, let's see who else am I missing? Jimmy Butler, maybe. I'm just gonna say Jimmy Butler. I was just waiting for you to say it. <laughs> is Kawhi, of course, someone in my group, asked, assuming healthy. Kawhi. Right. Someone asked me, "Is Kawhi Leonard healthy?" That's what they're asking me. <laughs> is yeah. Kawhi and Paul healthy? Like, there's right. a whole a James Harden. There's a oh, whole yeah. Dame Dame Lillard. Oh, you can Dame protect was with zone. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a whole bunch of dudes. And so for this young group of guys, where uh, Tyrese was all NBA level, Brunson mm-hmm. was very good, but uh, we have nothing close to being no. the most talented team. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Steve did a, did a great job. We had a garbage third quarter. We turned the ball over a ton and just looked out of it and recovered nicely on the road in an mm-hmm. exhibition game. That These guys are competitors. That's the one thing we always have to remember is uh, they compete. That's how you get there. That's how you make it. Yep. And so when they got punched in the face, they responded, I thought, very well. Mm -hmm. Very well. Yeah. And they, look, this is, as you said, this is great experience for all these guys because they're young. So for 2024, if, and let's be real, because all the people we just mentioned, with the exception of LeBron and maybe Steph, are going to be on the short list for Olympics for 2024. Yeah. And and not because Steph is not good enough, it's because he probably won't want to play. Uh, right. to rest himself for for the season but we know right. Durant is obsessed and will play so a bunch of them ain't gonna make it anyway just because there's not gonna be enough spots that's just how the math works but this is excellent experience for them and like we talked about with Eurobasket last year and all the other other uh international competition it's a great springboard for you into your NBA season we saw what Laurie Markinen did so all these got Wagner down in, in Orlando they really Wagner, used yeah. it to kind of to kind of transform themselves into having really good NBA season. So it'll serve two purposes. I still like our depth. Like I talked about before, like we may not have the best point. Well, we don't. It's Nikola Jokic, right? The best player in the world won't be American maybe for a lot of years. But players 5 through 12 and 14, yeah, we're going to be way better. And it's, Kerr actually said that after the game. He's like, you know, top top end guys, there might be guys better than us, whatever. But when you go to the bottom, we just have more players who are better. So if those guys develop and play that way, that depth is what will save us as opposed to what we were in 92. Oh my God, Jordan, everybody. No, it won't be that, but we're so much better five through 12 that we'll be okay. We're a huge country. We are. (laughs) Yeah. We have a lot of hundreds of 300 something million, give or take. Probably 370. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, and we, we, we invented the game here. Uh, we, we appreciate athletes here. We have systems in place to get them playing. Um, I, yeah, Kurt talked about depth. I thought was good. Uh, he also, um, has moved Paolo to play some five. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. between triple J 
who can handle yeah. the ball some and rebound and push mm-hmm. and Paolo. Uh, defense and transition is where I've always felt like we win games. Because sure. if you don't do that, you, anyone can beat us if we just miss shots. Well, we shot it great last night and still didn't win by a lot. But we won you know, comfortably. We just were Which this team will, corner. by the way, they're going to miss a lot of shots. This, this team will miss a probably, ton of shots. Probably. That, that's, just, I, that's just how they will. But I, I like your point. With Jaron at center and with pa- the, the defense and the rim protection. And, you know, Jaron's stat line wasn't like overwhelming last night, but you can see he was such a presence in the interior last night. And that's, yeah. that's big for international ball. Like if he's there, doing that, that's huge. But you, this is not in our script today, but you bring up an interesting thing to consider. When, when is there going to be the, an American to be the best player in the world? And who is that going to be? What's I have question. a couple of thoughts. Let me, let me just pull up dunks and threes right now and see who's where and what age they are. Okay. I, I, would, I, would make, I would make, I mean, it's not fair to say Durant. Um, or LeBron. Well, or yeah, no, no old dudes. I'm taking all yeah, old dudes. And right. I, I love Durant. You know that. But old dudes out for now. I, I uh, think Tatum still has a chance to be a, yes, a league MVP. I think Tatum, Tatum's the next. Yeah, he's the next. But I, I've got another interesting name for you. Ooh, what do you got? This, he's got a couple years to go. Um, I, I'm not going to quit on John Morant. Yeah, yeah. I like that. He's so mm-hmm. incredibly relentless. He so athletic. He's got to grow up, as we've talked a lot about here. Mm-hmm. He's got to. I think he's got to get a shot better, but he can have an Iverson, Derrick Rose kind of season, and and be. And of course, you could be MVP and not be the world's best player, but sure. um, and 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 there are two different things there. He could be an American, an NBA MVP, and there is the, if he can really get that shot down and and take it a step up defensively, mm-hmm. he's got huge upside to be the best player in the world. I don't think I it's mean, likely. Look- Those guys are really good. He had it not been for what transpired this year, he would be on Team USA right now with with this team. But he's not, and I I, I firmly believe I haven't talked to anybody, but I firmly believe that what went on with him is a reason why he's not with Team USA right now. Um, makes sense. You know, so I was just I, I was just that. thinking about um, you said best player in the world. Do you think because he's young, not American, he's Canadian, but whatever? SGA does he have best player in the world potential? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's got to shoot better. Just yeah, like John. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the advantage these other guys have, Jonas and uh, uh, Giannis, Giannis and Jokic. Jan, right, and Jokic. And, just um, big. <laughs> they're humongous. <laughs> they, right. It's just MB. They're just so tall. Yeah. And so they have more of an impact defensively. And that's why I say Tatum first. Is at 6'8", yes. he can be an all-league mm-hmm. defender and score 30 a game if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like where you're going there. That's interesting. We were thinking about that. Who next great American player? Well, you know, we may next, have to. Yeah, not great, but best. Yeah. But best. It that's, might that's be Cameron Boozer. Who knows? <laughs> Might have, obviously, Victor's French. But yeah, well, Victor. Yeah. So excited for him when, it, when, 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 he, when he's back. Um, all right. A story happened while you were away. I know you were, you, it, it piqued your interest because you, you dropped it into our text chat. Text, text chat. <laughs> um, ESPN has entered into an agreement with Penn Entertainment, um, and that it's going to be for somewhere between 1.5 and $2 billion around some other clauses have to hit. I think the 1.5 for sure is definite. Some other things have to trigger for that additional 500 million um, over the next decade, which really amounts to 150 million a year. Um, And the ESPN bet app will go live. um, And that's the ESPN now is going to be a huge, they're already a player in terms of like talking about it on every show and leading it to the bottom of the ticker. But now it's going to be an actual dedicated app with all this information, 
uh, with any ability for fans to just hop right on ESPN and, oh, I want to bet on the game or bet on this player doing whatever right here. The challenge, of course, with that is that, at least nominally, maybe not in practice, ESPN is a news organization, right? Like that's what they're supposed a media entity. That's what they supposedly are. Um, and they have information and break news, quote unquote, right? When someone's going to get traded, an injury, what, what, whatever it may be. And what and how are the lines going to be blurred and or separated between that piece of the business and the actual gambling gambling piece? Now, this is a, 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 a money play that ESPN had to do, right? Because ESPN spends a lot of money on live sports rights, just between the NBA, NFL, and let's say SEC football alone. I mean, billions of dollars. Yeah, and in order to recoup that, as we heard, we had Ben Aronson on for our our future of the NBA podcast. You get recoupment in advertising during the course of those of those live events. Well, I don't think, and I know they're not right. The ad dollars ain't quite equaling what we're out outlaying on uh, on the actual properties. Not to mention all the top end talent ESPN has to pay, which is why they laid off a bunch of people and a whole the whole the whole uh, kit and caboodle. And we also heard that ESPN is looking for investors in various different ways. The problem is this company needs money, right? That's why they're doing this. Um, uh, right, right, before, right before an earnings call, I should add. Well, and of course, because the idea there is anybody who knows Disney uh, is the parent company of ESPN. This is a publicly traded company, Bob Iger's CEO. The CEO is created on one thing. That's stock price. That's it. Like all the other shit, like uh, whatever. Like, yeah, okay. Some scandals. Sure. If the freaking stock price is doing what it's doing and you're outperforming earnings, guess what? You keep your job. If it's not and you underperform several quarters in a row, you're getting fired. But don't cry for Bob Iger. He's fine. Um, but that's that's the reality. So anytime news like that happens, it's going to cause a jump in the markets to move, right? And so the price stock price did go up a bit, I believe, uh, that day right before the earnings call that afternoon. So that made some people happy. And But it's really it's kind of a Band-Aid on, on a serious wound. We'll see. Yeah. What actually ends up happening going forward, I know one of the things that, and Ben talked about it on a podcast with Tom Haberstroh and Ben Fox. I, and I was going to credit both Ben Aronson and Ben Fox. And Ben Aronson's one who talked with the earnings call because I listened to Tom's episode yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, you know, look, it again, short term. In the long term, is this going to help ESPN? I don't know. It's a, j- jury remains out. It's just, because cash. Entertainment, it's just cash. It's just cash right now. And look, to us, $150 million will change our lives. That's us. To a corporation, eh, you right. know, not gonna, you're not going to really do a whole lot, right? Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice piece. It's not, the, it's not the deal. It's the deal maker that everyone thinks it is, yeah. Correct. And from a mobile app standpoint, a betting app, Penn Entertainment's app, which used to be this, what Barstool used, is not, it's, it's far behind the functionality and the usability of uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. So I... But they've got an uphill battle to fight on top of that to try to catch those guys. They're banking on, yeah, but ESPN's a global brand name, which of course, yes, we know that it is. But if the functionality is crap on the on the on the on the platform, I promise you, people are gonna be like, I don't care that it's ES. I'm not using this. That's just that's just common sense. So we'll see how it all goes. I think something you want to talk about, David, was well, what does this do to the new news breaking in quotes? I'm air quoting for those of you that can't see me side of this, right? And this is the first year that um Adrian Wojnarowski did not leak all the the draft picks ahead of the NBA draft on ESPN. So is this now a thing where 
Woj will no longer be dropping these little tidbits because he says, oh, I'm hearing from sources that such and such, that, that, that moves a line like literally that minute. Now, I know that they have people and sharps all over the place that monitor this stuff, but how does ESPN sort of handle that, that, whole, that whole deal? That'll be interesting. Well, just remember, he, he, uh, people like him tend to get their news from executives mm-hmm. who give them that leak so that you'll mm-hmm. say nice things about them and write nice Correct. things about them. That's just the, the nature of the business. If you're not sure of what I mean, just read the news that, that, that people like Woj break, and you're going to see some flowery compliments about, oh, they hired such and such assistant GM, considered one of the top <laughs> young GMs. Bullshit. That's who gave well, look, the story. Look, look at the yeah. Portland situation, right? The Portland situation is a perfect example. <laughs> what happened in the Portland situation? Well, just like how he talks about uh, the, the, the the former GM in Portland and like and, and all that oh, stuff. Right, so that's right. that, that, that that's an that's easy, exactly easy right. way to look at that one. So so now a team tells us, hey, so and so tells him, hey, so and so. We thought it was just a slight knee sprain, but no, he's out for the year. Does Woj now have to go to his betting partners at ESPN? Mm-hmm. And let them know so they can adjust the line and then break right. the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's something I I, have, I don't know the answer to any of it, but no, I had either. a different question, which was: you really can't gamble on games uh, shot for shot. The, the technology just isn't fast enough. Mm-mm. We uh, uh, because there's got to be tape delays, you know, miniature delays in TV, but you can do it in person. Mm-hmm. And so might might there be an option? You know, they, 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 they know if you're inside the arena, if you have a cell phone. And so inside the parameters of the arena, you can bet on games live, play to play, right? If you can get the confirmation back for the play-ins, your bet's in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, a, that's an incentive to come to the games. Instead, no I always want to watch on TV, uh, uh, which means you can affect ticket pricing. If more people yeah. want to come to the games for, on a Tuesday in January yeah. you know, for some average team, you can charge more money for these gamblers who want to gamble a shot to shot. I thought that was interesting to consider that uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, we had Scott Kaplan on uh, last week um, talking yeah. about the economics of the league and micro betting is one of the things that he talked about, right? This idea of, and you know, he brought up something interesting the psychology of there is something that there's data that shows when there is an amount of money that's wagered on a game, whether it's an outcome or whatever, or, you know, a player scoring amount of points or hitting a number of threes, that is one that creates joy for you, but does not stress you out. If you lose, there is a huge advantage to that, right? These two to $5 bets where you're like the money that you win is immaterial, but it gets you excited because you're rooting for whatever this outcome is to happen. So you can get your $10 payout or whatever the, the, the amount happens. So I think, yeah, all of that's going to be very interesting. Look, the gambling door has been kicked wide the hell open and we are where we are. Yeah. There's um, no door. There's no door. It's just an open space. <laughs> It's just an open space. We'll we'll see uh, how it all plays out and 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 what continues to 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 happen uh, from here on out. I think. Look, you know, the NBA has questions. People wonder about things. You know, we're not too far removed from the Tim Donaghy scandal, right? That wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, and listen, and this year, remember, we talked about it on this show, David, but with the Toronto Raptors, Fred Van Vliet. Literally called out an official by name and said he is cheating me from the game. Scotty got kicked out of a game the day before for doing the same thing. So, you know, there there's enough feeling from players about officials that, you know, this is this is a slippery slope. But listen, the money is what it is, and they're not gonna say no to the dollars. So 
all of it will be will be interesting to to pay attention sure. to going forward. For sure, for sure. Um, we will wrap here with the 2023 Hall of Fame class that was inducted over the weekend. Now, there were a number of people inducted, so I'm not sliding anyone who I don't mention, but for the purposes of this pod, we're mentioning the people that everyone stars. knows by name. The stars, yeah. yeah. Pau Gasol, Becky Hammond, Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, Greg Popovich, and, of course, Dwayne Wade. Um, and I thought Wade Wade really, um, his speech was touching. He, he uh, Alan Iverson presented him for induction, and he said, you know, this this guy is like I wore three throughout my college and pro career for the love and respect I have for this man. Um, and he said uh, in, in his speech, you know, our heroes aren't perfect. And he you know he talked about how you were the definition of someone who came from nothing. You know, you wore all of your failures publicly, and you overcame, and that that inspired. And I know for you, as someone who you, you love this stuff, that that stuff had to warm your heart because David. First of all, making the NBA is already an, an improbable thing. Just off, like being off the, struck off the by job. lightning. Yeah. Right. Like that is already so improbable yeah. on top of that. Then when you make the NBA to then make the basketball hall of fame, I did, I did a little research. Less than 4% of players who play in the NBA will make the hall of fame. So it's really, it's again, another improbable thing. You're probably not going to make it, but to do all that, right. And to again, overcome where Wade came from all the various things. And in that moment to pay, homage to AI and talk, you talked about his dad and just everything. I mean, it is the culmination of a lot of work, sacrifice, and not just from the player, from everybody involved, right? All the way back to little, you know, when you're playing eight and under to get the games and all that. And it, that, that's a very wonderful, touching moment. Yeah. I, I you warned my heart. They didn't. Cause I've not watched it yet. I saw, <laughs> I saw some video. Uh, but after being gone for a week, I didn't yeah. want to watch basketball, yeah. and I had to watch Team USA, so that was enough. And then last night we celebrated uh, my son and my nephew's graduation, which we haven't done that yet. Um, so, uh, but I will watch it. Uh, Wade, I think, brought his dad up, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He sure did. And didn't Iverson wear a suit with with yep. the number three mm-hmm. Wade sure on the back? Did. That's mm-hmm. so cool, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iverson thing I really find interesting because, uh, let's face it, Allen Iverson would have been. If he was the exact same player that he was, but he was a white dude from somewhere, everything's different. Mm-hmm. The, the racism in our country really came out. Remember, mm-hmm. I was coaching in the inner city when he was wearing the, the I think, they, what do you call him? Cornrows? Cornrows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he was wearing that. And, and what a big deal that was. And the jewelry, whatever. And, and white America just couldn't swallow it. They could, mean, meanwhile, those of us working with black athletes every day ate it up with a spoon. Right. You're like, like whatever. It's just regular day. It's a Tuesday. He's just, he's just being himself. Like, wh- <laughs> where is that a bad thing when you're that talented? And you have to remember that I was lucky enough in maybe 92, 93, he was in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I first was, I was still coaching inner city kids when he was a college player and also super famous because of what happened when he was a high school player in the Hampton mm-hmm. Roads yep. and all that stuff. Yep. But I watched him play for a week for the World University team Ooh. that I think is the best all-time team after the 92 Dream Team. Like, they mm. demolished everybody. I mean, there's so many, like, eight NBA players on this team of under 20 guys, whatever. But Iverson was breathtaking to ride <laughs> in his competitiveness <laughs> and his yeah. leadership. Tim yeah. Duncan was on that team. He never said a word. <laughs> and Ray Allen was on the team. Nothing. It yeah. was Terry Kittles, nothing. Yeah. It was Iverson's team. So I, he just, I mean, I loved him from that point on. Like, oh my God, I had no idea 
you know, I, I saw what the media told us to see. Right. And right, I looked, right. I was a Georgetown fan anyway, but mm-hmm. um, I loved him. So to know, I had no idea he loved Wade, Dwayne Wade loved him. I'm not surprised. All my players loved him. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a class. Uh, one thing I noticed is with, with MJ being an exception, cause he's just so different that the higher <laughs> up you get and the more successful you get, the more humble you get, you know, how lucky mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. to hear Tony Parker say Dirk was the best European of all time. And what mm-hmm. that meant to Dirk, mm-hmm. Dirk talked about mm-hmm. this. I read an article about how he just never allowed himself to go there. To MJ's credit, he doesn't either. He could easily right. say, listen, I'm the best. He never does that. Mm-hmm. MJ always says you can't compare errors. It's not fair. And right. I, I really respect that. Yeah, I really respect. Well, you can compare. We can do whatever we want to do. It's just hard to be accurate. Mm-hmm. I like that these guys at the top of their profession of all time have a humility about them that's really encouraging to me and inspiring to me. And, uh, and I also like the, um, the connection between, I mean, come on. Wade beat Dirk in 06. Yeah, Dirk I know. beat Wade yep. and LeBron. Like, yep. I like yep. and, and Wade versus Tony Parker. Yeah. Like, like yeah. those, all of that really was was nice. And, and, and Pop, Pop going in there. the same year with, with yeah. Tony and Becky with Hammond. Tony. Like it just Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And Becky, and that's that's my one regret. If um I don't know if you've ever seen a movie, and I forgot the name of the movie now, but there's a lovely movie about a family of boys starting, you know, with dads who can time travel. The women can't, the men can. And uh, when the son uh, is of age and, and finds out this can happen, how you do it, uh, he says to his dad, like, what do you do? And the, and the dad says, mostly read. He just buys himself <laughs> more time to read. If I could have done that, I just don't follow women's basketball at all. Mm-hmm. I don't follow the NFL. I don't follow yeah. baseball. I just have no time. NBA, and I don't follow college basketball, really. Right. Um, I, I Hearing Pop describe Becky Hammond, she must have been an amazing player to watch. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen Becky Hammond games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I She's just, I, I watched the, the, the uh, uh, through 30 for 30 about women's basketball winning a gold medal when they had not won. It was fantastic. I never knew any of these girls. I know their names. Couldn't mm-hmm. recognize them, didn't know how they played. It was fantastic. I loved watching every second of it. But yeah, I loved hearing Becky there with Pop. And of course, Pop with Tony Parker and Wayne Wade mm-hmm. having coached mm-hmm. them in Team USA too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a good year for the NBA for that, for sure. And, and, and shout out to Powell, of course, um, you know. Obviously, yeah. Just uh, an incredible career, you know, so much of Powell, like, you know, first of all, a brilliant guy, right? Studying to be a doctor before he is he Is he still doing that? I, I, mean, I don't even know if he's done with that or what, but I mean, just the, he's a, a brilliant, brilliant dude. Um, very, very. Yeah. And, you know, how much of his career credit he gives to Kobe when he got to the yeah. Lakers and, you know. Yeah. Just it is, you know, they say it all the time and, you know, it's easy for fans to dismiss it, but it really is. This NBA is a, is a brotherhood in so many ways because yeah. it's a small, it's a small fraternity. Ain't that many people walk on the earth played in this league and even less are in the whole, right? It's just, it's yeah. a special thing. So it, yeah. it's nice when those guys can all, can all get together and, and ladies too, and just sort of reminisce and, and speak on their experiences. All right. So Tony said Dirk's the best European. And I think when you look at his total career, that's probably true, right? All, all the accomplishments. Is Jokic already now a better player than Dirk was? Not in the accomplishments yeah. yet, but, but yeah, I think yeah. so. Too. Yeah. Jokic is the best European of all time. And Giannis is African. I'm sorry. Right. So he doesn't count. <laughs> I was like, because no, people would say, no. what about Giannis? I'm like, no, he's, he's African. So <laughs> he's the second best Nigerian of all time right now. Yeah. Anyway. Look at, yeah. Right now. Could, when you say the dream's number one. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Could change. Yeah, so yeah. you, 
Yeah, 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 of course. Jokic is the best European ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say there that was for never, sure. And- there was never a time where we knew D- Dirk was the best player in the world. He was the MVP once, but he wasn't mm-hmm. the best player in the world. Jokic, mm-hmm. is, to me, he's been the best player three straight years. Yeah, no, he's he's yeah. phenomenal. And it, it'll be interesting to see, right, how that uh, – this is actually something that I, I talked about as we wrap here, David, um, and I wanted your take on it. When we wrapped up our Future of the NBA conversation with Abigail last Thursday, yeah, we talked about this thing we do where, you know, we come into the year, so we're going to say, Denver is the defending NBA champions. And I made this whole thing about – but that was last year. I'm not saying Denver doesn't want to win this year, but winning last year has no effect on what's going to happen this year. Different team, people are in different places. Like, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe bad shit happens to them. Maybe, who knows? But it's this, these things are interdependent, right? So every year it's a it's a brand new climb to the top, regardless of the fact that you won the year before. Well, you, I mean, human nature is, a, is you let down. You don't, you don't stay as focused. It's hard to do so. There's a reason why Jamal Murray is not playing for Team Canada. He recognized it, it's, it's spirit sapping trying to win a championship. <laughs> It's also incredible and 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 uh, and uplifting at the same time, and so playing for Team Canada probably would would suck some of that energy away that he needs for the, for the run this year. Um, that's why people have called Pat Riley over the years. How do you repeat? People call Billy Donovan. How do you repeat? Mm-hmm. You know, whoever wins Hard. the college championship, you're probably <laughs> yeah, they probably text Billy. What'd you do to win two in a row at Florida? Mike Shostakovsky, same thing in the '90s mm-hmm. with Duke. It's hard to do. So, um, but that makes it great. I the, you know the Warriors. They they only repeated once. Correct. They only repeated <laughs> once, and they won four. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But only repeated once. So yeah. it's freaking hard. Yeah. Maybe and and the, great Spurs, the, the great Spurs teams never, never repeated. repeated. Right. <laughs> yeah. They won five. Yeah. And never won two in a row. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's very yeah. difficult to do. And you need luck, too, on top of that. So, all right, folks. We will see you later on in the week. Take care.